0: Welcome to the Brazilian beat. (laughs) (laughs) Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion music making community one interview at a time. And I'm Diana.
1: This is Courtney and that was a jazzy intro.
0: (laughs) I'd pick it up a bit,
1: you know. (laughs) Awesome.
0: What's going on, Courtney?
1: Mmm. I've been doing lots of businessy things. As I've said before last time, I started a business. And so I'm importing drums from Brazil and selling them online at GoSamba.net, a roller coaster of learning and craziness. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. But on today's podcast, we have Patricio Martinez, AKA Pato Iri. He is the leader and founder of the group T. Batu, which is a Samba Hege group in Toronto, Canada. He originally is from Salvador. He has a love of Bahian music and grew up watching Olodum and other groups playing in and around Pelorino. He has been leading T. Batu for five years. And prior to that, he has organized a drumming network throughout Chile, where he lived for 10 years. And you're going to hear all about this.
0: What a story.
1: Oh, man. He is a pretty incredible life story. And I think it'll be pretty inspiring to most of you guys what he's done, even at a really young age, like... 15, 16 years old.
0: And having hardships, and just, man, this mm-hmm. could be a movie. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I think you said you did too. I mean, I was tearing up in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to it.
0: Yeah, I think everybody's going to really enjoy this interview.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, so hold on to your hats, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, enjoy this one with Patu Iri.
0: Courtney, here we are. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right, still waking up a little bit. Me too. It's <laughs> early for us on a Sunday morning. Um, what's going on today? Who do we have today? Today
1: we have Pato Iri. He had a he showed up in our Mestre Memeo episode, helped us out making that happen. It was amazing, and he had a lot of interesting stories. So we wanted to have him on and just interview him individually. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much, girls, for inviting me to be part of the Brazilian Beat Podcast.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: like you said before, I was helping out with Memeo, Master Memeo from Olodum, and it's good to have an opportunity to share my stories, too. So thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Right. Well, thank you for being on. Mm-hmm. Have, how's your summer going? Uh,
2: pretty good. I mean, been playing a lot. No, only... Some reggae, but, like, with other bands, right? So, it's been pretty busy. Like I was telling you before we started, we had a show last night with Afro-Colombian music and all the stuff, and lots of exciting things happening on my end, so I'm pretty happy. Hopefully, I get more, you know, like, I hope to be more busy with with music, right, because I've been pursuing this my whole life, so.
0: Great. Well, we want to hear your story. Oh, good. <laughs> so, can you tell us a little about you and where you grew up?
2: Yeah. Well, I born. I'm born and raised in Salvador, Bahia, right, in Brazil. And my parents are from Chile, mm. but they went there when you know it was the whole Pinochet times mm-hmm. thing, the dictator. And so they ended up in Brazil, and after many years, they were their base. And I was ready. I was born, and I, It was very interesting growing up in Salvador, because if I, I'm pretty sure you guys know, we have the biggest population of, of black people in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, so there is so much culture coming from everywhere, that was almost impossible not to be involved. And we grew up, I remember the first time I saw the first batuki, tocando, like playing in the corner of uh, our neighborhood. It was a band called Yorubande, which doesn't exist anymore. And they were playing all this samba reggae stuff, like Olodun stuff. It was the time when Olodun came out and all that stuff. It was really big. It was getting big because Olodun came out in the 70s, right? But when it was getting really, really big and very popular between Olodun, and Balada, so a bunch of other batucadas came out in the different neighborhoods, right? And I remember I was like, what, five years old? And I used to go every day to watch those guys, like around every, every day in the evening. They would be playing there. And we always go, like, I always would... Tell them to let me play, but I was too small, right? Because uh-huh. they were they were like guys from twenty, thirty years old and they got this little five year old like annoying them to let them play. <laughs> and they would tell me like, just go sit down, man. Like, you know, just go sit there. And I was always like, I was every day I would do the same, and I would just sit down and I would pick it up, whatever they're doing, in my legs. You know? So I basically taught myself how to play. Because those guys, they were playing just in front of me, but they, they never gave me the chance to to join the band because I was too small. So growing up, growing up, we were going to school, and then I I saw Olodun, and I would go to Pelorino. It was almost impossible to take me out of there. My sister would always have to come pick me up, like, <laughs> late at 9, because otherwise I wouldn't go home because I wanted to be there. Like, there's a, there's a vibe, an energy inside that place that, if you really connect, doesn't let you go. You don't want to go. You don't mm-hmm. want to go anywhere else. You want to be there playing the whole time and w- listen to to the stories and and all the things that's going on because it's not only drumming, right? There's a lot of capoeira. There is a, the there's also the Orishas drumming and all that stuff. It's all beautiful. There's filhos Giganji. There's a bunch of stuff going on. So I was always interested in, on that stuff. And in, in my family, in my family, it was a little bit Kind of, uh, you know, they're all Chileans. And me being getting involved on that didn't click for them. It was like, no, what's going on with, with Pat? And, <laughs> yeah, and then when we when after I discovered all that and, and, and discovered myself like I had some talent because I could play it. I, I knew I could play the beat or whatever that was listening. And we ended up moving back to Chile. My mom wanted to move back to Chile. And I was what uh, eleven years old when I got back when I went there.
1: Mm-hmm. Your parents were in Brazil for work.
2: Yeah, they were leaving They lived there for more than thirty-five years, and mm-hmm. in that time, I was born and my brother too. Gotcha. Yeah. So we, uh, my mom went back first, and she was doing anything that she could to bring us there because we were three brothers, right? Two guys and. One girl. So we moved to Chile. And I was coming with this thing in my head, like, oh my god, I have to do like I have to do something here. I have to find out how to get drums and like I was eleven years old and I was ready to to start. (laughs) And the thing that that was so weird that when I was ready to start, I found out it was already some guy there doing it. And I was like, this is crazy, how? (laughs) And I found out about it and then I got involved. I said, those guys got the drums. How I didn't have any money to, to be able to go get it. So I got involved a little bit. And I, I got involved in Abatucada And we started playing. I said, man, those guys played the same rhythms from back home. They were doing all the Samba reggae thing. And right after that, I I kind of got the context of where the drums were made and all that stuff. So as soon as I knew how to do it, I got it done and I start my own group.
0: Hmm. And you were how old at that point?
2: I was uh, fourteen. <laughs> yeah. Wow, 13,
0: 14, ambitious yeah. teenager. So how did how did those
1: guys who already had a group how were they getting information or knowing what rhythms were being played?
2: Because into? a couple of people tra- traveled to Salvador, oh. and mm-hmm. there were you know they picked up some stuff. They were all musicians, right? They mm-hmm. brought back this to Chile, like in the ninety 90- ninety seven. Gotcha. And that was the same year I arrived in Chile. So gotcha. that's how, uh, you know, they were, were already grown up guys, musicians. Yeah, well, yeah well known adults, and, yeah. Yeah, they were all adults and they, they, they've they been around. So. It was just <laughs> tough for me because I was the kid. But I had one thing that was backing me up. I was originally from Salvador Bahia, right? Mm-hmm. So that was always something that people look at it like okay this guy comes from there. Let's see what he got or something like that, right? And we grew super fast and became you know very popular in the whole country. I stopped I started to travel around the country. Can I Chile. can I
0: stop you for a second? Yeah. How does a 14-year-old organize, like, the space where you're going to rehearse? Were you directing the rehearsal? How, how did all that work as a teenager?
2: I know. Believe it or not, <laughs> I did it all by myself. <laughs> I had that on me, man. Like, it's something, that, I don't know if you, I can say something that you're born with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to drag about, that. Oh, Pato is the shit. I'm, it's not that. But I did know that I was born to be a leader. You know, I could feel that thing. I was in need to be like, I got to get this done. And if I didn't do it, who who's going to do it for me? Nobody's going to do it for me.
0: Right.
2: So as a 14-year-old, it was it was hard. But I knew in my head that all I wanted is to be, you know, have my drumming crew and represent my culture. Even though I, has, I had Chilean parents, I was born and raised in Salvador. So that was also my culture, you know. And... I just, I don't know, I just, I just did it. It was hard. In the <laughs> beginning, it was hard. It was like, I used to go to the, you know, the city I used to live in Chile when I was around that age. It, it's called R- Rengo. And it's only 40,000 people there. It's not a big city. It's an hour and a half south of Santiago. And uh, people didn't even know what's, what, what, what is that? Like, what is, what are those drums? Like, that's not their culture. And, mm-hmm. But we made it like big and we made it happen. I used to go bug the mayor of the city. <laughs> Every single day after school, I would go to his office, knock the door and say, I need money to buy my drums. I need money. To... Every single day after six months, one day he was like, I got enough of you, how much you want. <laughs> wow. And I gave, I gave my number like all that. I say, yes, I need to buy this much. That time was like about 500,000 pesos, which is worth right now. How much would be that? Mm, It's a big number. You know, a million pesos is almost $1,500, $2,000. Wow. But for a 14 years old, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, yeah. 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 So they were like, what the hell are you going to do with all the money? (laughs) You're a kid. But they gave it to me. And after that, I was like, this is the time. This is my time, man. and I got. I started getting done the drums. You know, back in Chile, we used to build the drums. We wouldn't order the original drum, you know, anything, and we would have the same sound, exactly the same sound. I will go to the guy who play, who works with the, how you call that, with the metal sheet, mm-hmm. whoever has that kind of company, and they have those machines that can make it round. Right, right. You just bring the the skin. So you will have exactly the same size of what you need.
1: Right, and, right. And you, wow.
2: and you will give him the, the height or how much you want. And then I will, I will get it done the same drum. Just the cost of like half of it to buy originals. So I was able to buy a lot of drums. I had like 70, 70 drums back in Wrangle.
1: So, so they well, were. if you had wow. somebody make them, they were half the price? Is that what you're saying? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, why did yeah. you start importing then? Why didn't you just keep doing that?
2: Oh, right now? You mean right now?
1: No, I mean back when you were a kid.
2: Oh, I didn't have that, like, big, uh, how you say? I wasn't thinking about it, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make a lot of money or anything. I wasn't thinking about that. All I knew was I wanted to have a group and I wanted to be known. Yeah. That's what is always in my head. Plus, I was a teenager, right? Mm -hmm. You, You don't think too much. As an adult, you just think of like, oh, yeah, let's go have fun. And let's I got it, money. No. I am going want to spend it. I don't care. <laughs> and blah, blah. You know, if I knew a little bit more, like, I don't know. It's hard. When you're 14, it's hard. You don't know. Yeah. Anything. You don't know anything. I think
1: it would be hard. I think one of the hardest things would be to be taken seriously. Like, you know, you want to rent a space or, you know, whatever. And people just be like, you're just a kid. Like, <laughs> go away. Yeah.
2: But <laughs> you know what happened? I, I organized the first carnival there. And I mm-hmm. brought... And I brought 150 drummers down from all over the country. Oh, wow. And I brought, like, a reggae band that was famous. And I did a big, big, big show. I got more than 5,000 people over there, like, watching that, you know, for Holy free. Holy cow. And it was all done by me. Like, I organized the whole thing, and I couldn't believe I did it. Like, <laughs> How's that possible? Like, I'm a kid. I got, you know, we got a lot of farmers around there. Uh-huh. I will go to the farmers, and like, one guy will give me, like, a box of uh, a case of like tomatoes. Another will give me a case of onions and avocados and eggs and everything. Because what happens is when we organize a carnival there, we take a whole week to pre- prepare what we're going to play. So in that whole week, I got to feed everyone. Like breakfast, lunch, snacks, dinner every day.
1: Who cooks the wow. food?
2: So that's all. Oh, I remember my my sister. <laughs> my sister even traveled from from Bahia because she still lived there. She she traveled that time just to help me out to cook. Oh, wow. She's an amazing cooker. So she helped me out. <laughs> the moms of the other kids that was playing with me, they also came to help. Oh, nice. Some dads and we will get farmers donating a lot of food and wow. it was crazy. It used to that's be amazing. really cool. Yeah. It still happens. It eh? not in my city, but. And, and different other cities is still happening. Like the Movimento Batuquero in Chile is huge. Like, huge. Sh- Crazy. And our group back then was named Pachabatu, which means land of drums. And it was this guy who brought it to Chile. He's a Chilean guy, very well known percussionist. His name is Caruso Moraga. He was the guy who brought this down from Olodun and all that stuff. And we partnered up with him and another guy from the north of Chile. So we kind of expand the whole name of the group all over the country. Mm. Like, a, like a franchise or something.
1: And that's the network, yeah. yeah I
2: got like like, a, like Batala does it right now. Yeah, all right. over the world. Like same thing, but inside Chile, only on Chile. So right. we were like a bunch of... Pachabatú is in between the three of us. We will control the whole thing, teaching people what we're going to play what we are going to be the breaks. And like, so we have all the same sound because we have the same name, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, it, it, a lot of things was, was done by that time. Pachabatú is, is, it's probably the Batucada that was most well-known in Chile back then, the most popular group. Everybody went to, to join us, not and not everybody could join us right like it was a really really like amazing work we did there with with all these people we at some point at one carnival we go like it was like olodun in chile you know like 500 600 drummers playing the same beat singing the same song breaks and no mistake and nothing it was crazy nice nice i wish one day i can do that here in canada right
1: yeah uh, how old were you at the time when that
2: When all the stuff, yeah, it was like, what, 16, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: 15, 16, when we got Mm -hmm. involved with Pachabatu, and, yeah, it was big. It was big. It was really big, and it was well-organized. But, like, every other group somehow ended up uh, breaking up apart, and and it was done. And now, because of that, there's so many different groups now.
1: Ah, they all kind of split off into their own thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, so... That was, that was there. And then, like, at some point in Chile, it would, you know, pick up a rock and a whole batucada would come out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, it was too much at some point And then I, I, I knew I had to get out of it. Mm. Yeah, because I wouldn't be able to make any money anymore.
1: Hmm.
2: So, I went to school. And I, I went to the university in Santiago, and that time I went to university, I didn't play at all. I just went to university to to get my degree. I did events management, mm, so
1: nice. <laughs> so I could do
2: my own events, and and I don't have to in, like hire anyone. You know, I was I was I already had experience as right. a teenager. I Was like I already know how to do those things. Maybe I just go for school for that and get better at it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And then after that, went back to Brazil for know, another year and a half to work. Nothing to do with events. It was like an a eco-diesel f- uh, factory. I don't know if you guys know what is echo is, eco-diesel.
1: Uh-uh.
2: It's basically gas made from plants. Hmm. So
1: Oh, cool. Oh, like biodiesel. Oh, yeah. Biodiesel,
2: yeah. Sorry. That's what it is, biodiesel.
1: Yeah, I gotcha.
2: So, mm-hmm. yeah, I did that. And then after that, was, I made enough money to to save and and come to see my mom here in Toronto.
0: Are you... I have a question. <laughs> so do you yeah. have <laughs> dual citizenship, or did you, for Chile and uh, Brazil?
2: Yes, mm-hmm. I do. I still oh, have okay. it. Yeah, I, I still have it. I came in as a, as a Chilean here, though, because it was funny. I tried as Brazilian, mm-hmm. and I did the same papers, and they declined my visa hmm. when i was in brazil so what i did i said okay i'll go to chile and I'll do the same thing And I, so i traveled to chile and i did the same thing and they gave me my visa i was like this is
1: bullshit wow.
2: <laughs> so i came as a chilean but my passport says i'm brazilian mm-hmm. right? some people some some sometimes i had some trouble for that cuz they get confused because my passport my passport say chile and say like uh, how you say it, uh, citizenship mm-hmm. of, of like which country, whatever says Chile and then say place of birth, uh, Brazil. So people always ask me like in the airport, or something, you know, why are you yeah, yeah. using this Chilean? passport? you Brazilian, you know, I past by Brazilian, blah, blah, <laughs> and, you know, like, Oh man. Yeah. Let me live my <laughs> life.
1: <laughs> so when you, you were in school and your mom moved to Canada and, and then you came up here when she was here, is that? Yeah.
2: Well, what happened is my mom she well my family kind of split right And mm-hmm. back in brazil so my dad left he went he moved to paraguay and basically left my mom by herself with those three kids so she said I can do this here and mm-hmm. she sold everything and we went to chile after that she was a teacher and you know teachers doesn't get Pay well in any country in this world, I believe. Yeah, and it was really hard for her to, with three kids. We were living with our grandparents, and my my sister went back to Brazil. She didn't like Chile, so she said, "I'm leaving." She left. She was the oldest one, and my brother was going to university, and in, in two more years, I was going to university. And university that is very expensive. You don't you know if you don't mm-hmm. have money you you can't make it it's hard mm-hmm. I find it stupid we should all have free education you know to to be able to do something with other lives but over there it's very hard not everybody can go to school and that's that that stuff happened everywhere too, not only in Chile yeah, so my mom she had a her best friend was living here in Canada for forty years and she was living in Toronto so at the same time this is what happened they were the best friends forever since kids so when the pinochet thing happened my mom went to brazil mm-hmm. and her friend came came to canada mm. so they always were in touch and she always would visit, it, visit us and all the stuff and um, she ended up taking the opportunity to come so she was here for 7 years before i even could see her like i came mm. So those seven years, I was in Chile doing all this Batucada thing and travel the whole country.
1: Gotcha, wow.
2: Yeah, and then when was the time? I said, okay, I got to go. I left. I was 22. So I basically live 11 years in Brazil, 11 years in Chile.
0: Did you speak any English at that time?
2: Nothing mm. at all. Nothing, nothing, nothing. You know what's funny? The first, time, the first day I arrived here, I went to buy on the on the convenience mm-hmm. store, and I couldn't say anything. I was just pointing all the stuff I want, and I saw the number that I have to pay, and <laughs> the pay it was no communication. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and then I ended up coming to Toronto after all that. My mom was here for seven years, and we were able to live together for a year. And she got sick. And in a week, she passed oh. away. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I was alone. I mean, I had my, her friend, right? Her mm-hmm. best friend. Mm-hmm. They were really, really, really good to me. They helped me out a lot. But I had no family around. It yeah. was just me and my mom. My brother was back in in Chile. My sister was in Salvador. So, And they couldn't travel either because it's not cheap. And they needed oh. a visa. It was a oh. whole, big, other, other side. it was, it was bad. It was really bad.
1: Yeah.
2: Especially yeah. for me, I'm the youngest out of the three, and that was the first time you know I was with her after seven years. I couldn't see her.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So be able to to spend at least the last year with her before she was gone. I don't know. I think it was a. Uh, I would say like it was it was part of the destiny like, that was written before I even mm-hmm. came. Yeah, it's
1: nice you got that time.
2: Yeah. I I believe that I believe that because I don't I don't think my brother or my sister would be able to would I have been able to take take all that mm-hmm. how you say all that, that that moment all that feeling all the, what's gonna what was going what was, was happening because they were very dependable on my mom like. Always asking for permissions and stuff, even when they grow up, you know. Like always, yeah, and, yeah. and me, I was, I was just like her.
1: You're pretty was, independent.
2: Yeah, and then she would hate that. I Remember, she would say, "I hate that you like me." <laughs> like, like, but I, it was just always joking, right? I knew she loved it that I was like that way. Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes we would kind of crash between us mm-hmm. because I was like just like her, but it was, all, you know. I n uh I knew I, I was the one that had to be there to take that pain cuz my mom was super strong like when I when there's when the split with my dad and all that stuff happening I never saw her like going down and sad or anything no mm-hmm. man she'd stand up and say but, you know well, I'm going to make it and that's it she did everything she could to to get her kids you know mm-hmm. support and everything so <laughs> I had I had to do the same thing. It was very painful and that that was the moment that I created a band here. Mm. It was because of that because I thought I probably I was going to die too, you know, because my mom was my my best friend. We, you know, we, I would tell her anything about my life. Even you know, you know, when you have a girl mm. or something, I would tell her everything, everything. We could sit on the table, have a wine and just talk about life. Mm. And I don't have that anymore. And I got in deep depression. It was really, really bad Mm -hmm. for a long time. I became very skinny. Um, I didn't believe those things before. When some friends or people would tell me, oh, his mom passed away or his dad passed away. And all you say, oh, yeah, be strong. And, like, you know, you're going to be okay. And all that is bullshit. And, like, there's no... No word right. that can come for you after a situation like that. At some point, I was actually mad. I didn't want to hear anybody anymore. Yeah. I was tired, sick and tired of here. I'm sorry. Be strong. I'm sorry. Be strong. I'm sorry. Like, shut up, man. When you get this, you will understand what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> I, I felt like somebody was stabbing me in my heart and just yeah. ripping my whole, you know, my whole stomach all the way down. That's how I felt.
1: Yeah and there's not much you can say except for to someone except for just i'm sorry you know I, nothing woulda, really more to say.
2: I believe it's better not to say anything just give me a hug mm-hmm. you know sometimes for those moments i don't think there's any word you can right. say
0: i kind of experienced yeah. the same thing so i totally yeah
2: it. yeah there's no words i i think it's better you give somebody a like a strong hug and they will feel it you know and
1: mm-hmm.
2: And after a long time being depression, and I didn't even know what to do anymore with my life, I was completely lost. And I got really deep down that I realized at some point that like either way you go with your mom, because I was thinking about that too, or you do something to change your life because you can't be in this situation anymore. It was mm-hmm. too long or it was like eight months already. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't come out of the room. I didn't want to eat. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do nothing. It was all dark. And I ended up getting a job. And so I could have a, a money or anything. Because that time I didn't have anything. So my mom's best friend, he was supporting me and helping me out for anything I need. For all that that time. So I said, you know I Get a job and let's let's start it again. Right? See where we go, and ended up meeting someone that works in construction, and we were talking a lot, and he kind of was like, how you say, moved about my story, and he knew a good drum because he would see, you know, I would be batucando everywhere mm-hmm. when we were working, and he said, Yo man, you know what? I'm gonna buy you a drum. Tell me where I do I go and I buy you a drum, and he bought me a djembe in one African store here in Toronto, a very famous one. And I was like, oh, man, this is amazing. I can't believe somebody actually went there and spent $700 on me, and they barely know me, but, you know, because that's how much it cost, that jembe. And I remember being going to, I don't know if I can say this, to the Marijuana March.
1: Sure, (laughs) you can say it. Yeah,
2: okay. So I end up going to the marijuana march (laughs) by myself, right? And then with my drum. And I say, whatever, I'm just going to go and drum. I'm pretty confident with my style. So I say, somebody is going to go and talk to me, that's for sure. And that's what happened. I went there, I was by myself, and I was Mm -hmm. playing a little bit, and then I got attention from a bunch of people, and then I got a whole circle dancing around Mm me. And then one girl comes out and say, you know, there's a bunch of drummers at the other side of the park. There's like 30 of them with the same drum as you. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And I say, okay, I'll go there then. So she showed me where to go and I went. And I found all those guys and girls dancing, drumming, a bunch of people. And I kind of joined in without even asking. <laughs> <laughs> I just joined the circle and I started playing. And when, as soon as I start playing... I got a lot of looks, you know, because I knew how to play bao. So the djembe is is pretty similar. When you know whatever mm-hmm. you can do, and so I got a lot of their attention. And then when the circle was done, they all came talk to me, and I met new friends. And I was like, oh, this day was amazing. Blah blah blah. So it kind of felt good for myself. I say, you know what? Maybe I get hanging out. I'll keep hanging out with them. Until I feel uh, better again, right? because I was still with depression, and that's what I did. I basically, I got with them for two, three years, and then I basically st- study most of them, how they behave and how they do, because I was thinking already, I gotta do my group, I gotta, I gotta get my thing going, because nice. <laughs> I got the people, and I said I got these people, so I have to make it happen, and I, I knew. That's what I will help me to heal. If I was drumming all the time, I knew I would be okay after because that's what it makes me happy, right? So I was looking to do that, to do the drum, to do the group, Tidabatu, because I wanted to heal myself because I didn't want to feel that feeling anymore of depression and everything's dark. And at some point, I start asking the people I say they will be good to the group because I already had all the experience from Chile and I had dealt with a lot of problems. I was dealing with a lot of problems like every other group mm-hmm. because people are different. People, they, you know, they have different thinkings and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can pleasure 70 people. You know, it's going to be a couple that's going to say, no, I don't like it. Right. So I had all that experience already, and I didn't want to leave the same thing here. Mm. If I create a group here, so I don't want any of that bullshit. I want everybody just come, learn, play, have fun. That's it. Mm, I didn't want to, because I was trying to heal myself, so I didn't want to have. To be how general. do you?
1: How did you avoid having drama in?
2: I basically say straight up the day when I was getting the people ready to go. I did a couple of meetings with them, right? Because mm-hmm. they didn't know me well. They know me, yeah. I've been two years around playing, but it wasn't close relationship with everyone. It was only with two or three guys. Gotcha. So they would kind of help me too. Who I I would pick, right? Because we were looking like I don't want to have. I was telling the people I don't want to have drama. I don't want to people telling me this, this, and that. I don't want to. I don't want to argue. I don't want nothing. I just want show you guys what i can do we can play and a bet we can be you know something in the city because those drum circles is just for fun yeah it doesn't doesn't go anywhere they just get together for fun and i love to have fun yes but i always be pursuing to be the drummer the musician and all that stuff and be able to live my life off my talent so i was looking way further right i didn't want to do it just for fun i wanted to become something so I could be known. So that means I could get more jobs doing what I love. You know what I mean? So when we created, I said all that stuff. I'm the one who takes the decisions. I'm the one who show you how to play. I'm the one doing this. I'm the one doing that. There's no space for drama here. And that was it since the beginning. Nice. And I believe in uh, community groups and all that is fun. But if you... Like if you if you wanna do drumming other than just fun, make like in my case, uh it's my job, you know what I mean? And there's a lot of people that does that all over the world. There's a bunch of people doing the same. But there's also other bunch of people doing the same just for the fun of it. Like, oh yeah, let's play and that's it. But it's a whole effort to to be able to take get a group out. You ladies know that Mm -hmm. for sure. You have to get people, do logistics. You have to get people who can drive your your drums if you don't have money to rent a van, right? But you got to find out a way to pay the gas. You have to, you know, get all the drums down to the place. You got to get everybody ready. Everybody has to have their own, the same shirt, the same stick. <laughs> ah, yeah, there's a bunch of other things that you already know. So you, there's no time for drumming. If the, at some point the band doesn't like something, I would say, you know, this is what it is and if you're good Good. if you're not good then we're good too you can do whatever you want you have the, the door is open always because I've seen in other groups and when it's a community thing everybody giving opinions it doesn't work that's mm-hmm. why we have a president that's why we have you know a boss on your job that's what there's always one person on top because because of those things because you can't pleasure, pleasure everyone right you ask Oh, what color should we have a shirt? And five people say yellow and another 10 say black and three more say red and then four more say red and the other ones say green. How are you going to do it? If I go in and say, shorts are going to be black and this, this and that, and that's it. They have nothing to say. They just got to wear it. <laughs> when,
1: when, when you add new people to your group, I don't know if you do add new people, but when you I add do. new people, do you... Do you sit them down and say, hey, there's no drama here?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, not really. I don't say there's no drama. I just say, like, you can see with your own eyes. This is a family. You know, everybody respect each other. We make jokes. We play around. But they know once Pato is inside and we're having a class, that's it. There's no time for joke or, or to make fun or to be, like, funny around and distract other people. Gotcha. I, you got to kind of respect my time. So if you don't respect it, I will notice and I will call you out after and say, you know, if you, next time this is happening, then you're not welcome mm-hmm. here. Anymore. Because otherwise I can't move on.
1: Yeah. So do you have like a beginner class and then your performance group or, and do how do yeah. people pay you for lessons in that? Or how yeah. does that can work? We,
0: can, can, I, well, can we go back and just maybe talk
2: about the group?
1: Yeah. Good, good idea. Tell us okay. about... T. Batu. And tell us how you came up with that name.
2: Oh, that was funny. That was another thing. You see, that was another thing we were trying to decide everybody together. And it was a bunch of names that say, no, I don't like it. I don't like it. I was looking for something that say, it has to be able to ad- how you say, identify
1: mm-hmm. with, this,
2: with the city, even though it's not their culture. But Toronto is one of the most multicultural in the in the world. So, I was like, uh, I was looking for an okay Toronto. First, I was thinking Toronto Batucada, but it would be like that's too long. It sounds boring, right? Toronto Batucada, the whole thing. And we were trying to decide, decide. this. like, nothing happened. Two meetings, three meetings, nothing happened. We didn't have a name. I was like, oh man, we gotta come up with something. And I'm walking my way back home with with a friend, which was my roommate who back then, he was playing the band too. So we were walking together. It was already late and we were like, oh, I don't know how am I gonna call the name? And I look at the uh, the tower, the CN Tower, mm-hmm. right? Because we were walking right downtown. I look at the CN Tower and um, that's the thing that everybody knows about Toronto, you know? If you come to Toronto you don't go to see the CN Tower, it's like you, you didn't, you, you weren't here. You have to have a picture with that. You know, it's like a postal card. And I was thinking, okay, Toronto, 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 And then I was like, oh, the nickname of the city sounds pretty good. T-Dot.
1: I didn't know that was the nickname for the city, yeah. T-Dot. Oh,
2: That's okay. the name. From back in the days, everybody would instead say Toronto here, they would say, oh, T-Dot here, T-Dot there, T-Dot, huh. T-Dot, T-Dot. So I was like, everybody knows this name already. Huh. So I took that little piece, T-Dot. And I just had the batu because I was, you know, thinking back back in Chile when we had a Pachabatu, mm, right? Mm, gotcha. So I was like, I'll oh, just add Batu, T-Dot Batu. Sounds pretty good. And it doesn't sound Portuguese at all. Because that's one thing I didn't want to because even though we do original samba reggae and all that stuff from Salvador, I wanted a name that everybody could pronounce it. And T-Dot is in English and it's the nickname of the city. Everybody knew about this name. So I just added Batu, and it sounds pretty cool like, to me. I don't know if to you the ladies, but to me it sounds pretty cool. See <laughs> Dal Batu, and that's it. And now everybody kind of knows us here. Like mm. we're kind of getting the, at the point that I want to get, which is I wanted to be a reference in this. How long right?
0: has it been together now?
2: With the band, I five know. years. It was going to be six in December. And. We've been playing a bunch of festivals. We've been out a lot since we started. It was, uh, I remember the first year we became very popular. Second year year even more. And little by little, we keep growing because people see us playing. And every time we're playing, I'm telling everyone, like, hey, if you want to learn, you know, we have always have beginner's workshops and blah, 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 blah. So they can contact us. And that's how I've been getting people. When we go to festivals, they find that, oh, my God, this is amazing. So they come talk to you. And you get you get people to, to do beginners, and from there I see who can join the band and who needs more work, right? Mm-hmm. When we do workshops, people got to pay full month, though. It's four classes a month, so they have to pay for the full, full month because, you know, if this is your job, you can't afford it to somebody call you last minute and say, oh, I can't go today. The studio's yeah, yeah. going to cost me the same money. Yeah, they're not gonna give me a discount if somebody's missing. <laughs> so you pay the full month, and if you don't come, that, that's another thing, you know. And so, is
1: it like a beginner? You have like a beginner thing, and then a the performer group, or?
2: Yeah, so I have the beginner group, and then the, which happens on Sundays. We start fall season all the way to summer, so we stop now, and we'll, we will mm. start again. We will start again in October. Summertime, not many people wants to be excited. But in. I get,
0: uh, you probably get a lot of people that are watching, and then in the fall they're all yeah, excited exactly. and want to want to join in.
2: Exactly, that's what exactly what I do. Because people don't summertime, they want to enjoy, it, right? We don't, we have such a short time of summer here because you know how cold is Canada. <laughs> so everybody wants to be out, <laughs> just having fun, doing camping, going to the beach, or whatever. So, when all that's done and the, the calls start coming in, they want to do something that can keep them moving or something. Instead of going to the gym, you know what, I go drum with those guys. And we've been able to get a lot of people. I started with 10 people and today we are 33.
0: Oh, wow. Nice. That's great.
2: But the band itself, on Wednesday nights, when we rehearse, I don't charge them like to pay myself because that is the band. Yeah. In the beginning, when I started, I couldn't charge people because nobody knew me. Until they could believe me, who I was, and how, if I knew what I was talking about, then I could start charging something. But I could never charge the people to pay me myself. I couldn't never charge the bank for that.
1: So the beginners... P- they uh, do pay. They, they pay, do pay, and then that helps pay for the space for the kind
2: of, perform yeah. And then gigs yeah. and such. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Exactly. So cool. they do pay, but on oh, Wednesday, people pay. I ask for a little bit, at least, just to pay the studio. Mm. That's the only thing they pay. Yeah. Because cool. the studio the is not cheap either. Especially here in Toronto, and it's crazy.
1: Yeah, I've heard Vancouver, they pay a lot for their studio space yeah. too.
2: And you don't have like a proper space either. Like, there's no proper space that can hold down 30 drummers. Right. It's almost <laughs> right. impossible to find. So, yeah. there's this, yeah. So, there's this special place here, which I leave like. Five minutes away, walking, and I love it. And we are there, like a couple bands. There's Samba Squad is there. Maracatu Maraberto of, of Alex mm-hmm. is there too. Uh, Batucada Carioca is there. I'm there, and there's the Samba Kids too. So we have five groups there in that place.
0: Do you get to store and your I, drums too?
2: Yeah, we store Dumps. our drums and all that. But all that stuff, again, it's not cheap. Like to maintain a big place like that, because it's like a warehouse uh it's not it's, it's not cheap so it's hard when you you know you do drumming and you're not charging the band to pay you're just charging for the studio
0: right, right.
2: sometimes it's hard for the maintenance like a skin is expensive it's not cheap i just bought a replica skin cost me 30 dollars wow i'm like man this is plastic why am i paying 30 bucks <laughs> for plastic why
1: was know? it 30 why is it 30 dollars <laughs>
2: Those Remo skins, because we don't get much stuff available here. You don't get contemporaneous Ugh. skins here. You don't I, get anything. I think from I the
0: know system. a person you can talk to. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm talking to her right now. <laughs> so it's hard, man. It's hard. It's hard. It's not, it's not cheap. Yeah. Like, only one surdo, just so you have an idea. A primeira or a segunda, 22 inches. It goes for almost 500 bucks.
0: Do you own a lot of the drums, or do the members I buy do. their own?
2: No, I do most of it. Mm-hmm. But there is a couple members, like three or four, that have bought their own surdo, and that's it. Basically, those surdos. No, nothing else. Everything else we have bought, like growing up, little by little. If I do a gig, I would go buy, you know, a couple of drums here, a couple of drums there. I, when I realized I had all those drums, I was like, oh my God, well, what is all this money, man? Like, I never, I don't remember seeing all this money. <laughs> because you get so into that, you say, like, whatever, man, I got to get more, so do you, I got to go spend it.
0: Do you inventory them, or have you ever lost drums?
2: No, I've never lost. Mm, that's good. No, 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 I'm very careful with those things. I'm always checking three, four, five times if, if I have to and i have two or three people that's doing the same because i can't afford to lose a drum right it's not cheap so i know what i have mm-hmm. i know exactly what i have in my head
1: <laughs> do you um, get grants or get support from the like the city at all or arts groups there in canada
2: we haven't got any support because we have never applied yeah we always did everything dependent and basically i'll tell you the truth i didn't want to do the paperwork if it was one, yeah. thing, I, if it was one thing i hate is paperwork so well that
1: okay. and once you get the money you have to also you gotta, do more yeah, paperwork because you, yeah.
2: got, because you gotta show where you spend it right so i hate that <laughs> yeah. but now the way we're growing we kind of need some support because uh, like i said it's expensive to maintain a drum group it's not cheap
1: Maybe somebody in your group can, who is good at details like that can you can delegate.
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny that you guys are saying this because we just had a meeting on Wednesday before the rehearsal about we were talking about this. Hmm. It's time to start writing grants because we need this, we need that, we need this. I want to do a recording, you know, because every time we go to festivals, a bunch of people are asking for us for merchandise and we don't have anything. We don't, we don't have shirts, we don't have sticks, we don't have business cards, we don't have uh, <laughs> yeah. CDs, we don't have nothing. Because whatever you put there, it all costs money. Right. And if mm-hmm. I don't have it, nobody's going to pay for me, right? Yeah.
1: Sometimes you got to spend money to make money, but yeah, you I don't do, have it, are. you can't do yeah, it's it. tough.
2: I used to do that a lot when I was working full time. Right now I'm not working full time, I'm just drumming right now. I'm looking mm-hmm. for something though. But if I can, if you know, if I'm working again full time, I can do that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. On the same.
2: Oh,
0: go ahead, finish. Right. I'm sorry.
2: Because most of it, when I was working, like you know, I would go invested, not caring how much I had to invest because yeah. I knew that was gonna bring me more. Like you see those, I don't know if have you seen any pictures of our drones? You see those designs? Yeah. Yeah, that that job also wasn't cheap at all. I had to hire an artist. Until we got to the final product that I like, I had to hire the, the the company that's gonna do all those things, and that cost me a lot of money. But I had to do it. That was the only way I could step up on my on, on my game, let's say here, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody has it. Nobody has the drums done it uh, like that, or, you know, with colorful and all that stuff. So I had to do it, and, and because of that, we we're spying in you know, other groups, so they're doing it too. So, but it all goes like that. You always have to put money in the business to make more money, right? like you say.
0: Yeah. On that same note, you, as we all know, recently brought Mister Mameo to Toronto. Mm-hmm.
2: How,
0: how did that all work as far as financing it? And um, how did it go with all the workshops and everything?
2: It was okay. Like, I knew that will, that would be an investment mm-hmm. more than nothing. Right? But I had to do it. Or you had to, you know, connect with the roots. And I haven't been Salvador for so long. I, I, I needed, I kind of was in need to bring someone and then give me some refreshment, you know? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I have a lot of material, but I didn't know what was going on, like, a late, later. Like, now we're more able to see YouTube videos and stuff so you can pick it up. Right Before, nothing of that was there. So it was, like, it was almost impossible to get this information if you didn't travel, right? So I had the need to bring my mail. And also it was like a dream from since I was a kid. I was like, one day I'm going to play with a guy from Olodun. Like in my head, I always <laughs> had that. One day I'm going to play with a guy. If he's not with Olodun, it's with my band. But somehow we're going to make it happen. And I did it. It wasn't easy at all. It's a lot of money, financial-wise, because it's not only bringing him. I had to put together a whole... Show with drummers, with with melody, you know, with brass, with guitar, with bass, vocals, back vocals, and, you know, you stop counting, you know, like, and you have to pay all that people too, because nobody's going to come play for free.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Wasn't cheap, but we had help from from the festival that hired us mm-hmm. for two shows, right? Which was Lula World Festival, which Alex Bordocas was producing. Right. Yeah. And um, they are pitching the idea of bringing me mail, and they took it. They say, okay, let's do it. Nice. So they had a grant for the whole festival, which I don't know how much it is, but I believe it was a lot of money, which you start spending. It goes, like, <laughs> super quick, and you think, oh, my God, I had all this, but it was nothing, right, because the festival was not cheap either there's so many things you need to be organized mm-hmm. before somebody go on stage it's crazy so we had the help from Lula world and most of the help was from them with the grants but we also had to to pay you know a couple thousands ourselves right because uh, I had two workshops with the mail just for the band and only one workshop was public. So it was three workshops. And we did a workshop with, with some people that was coming from the States, from Cleveland. Mm. Do you know? I forgot his name. Dylan. Yeah. Dylan came up yeah, to been- do a workshop with, with my mail
0: Nice.
2: And a couple of, of people of his group. So, and I got a couple of side shows and stuff that could help to pay more but you know, I got some sponsors. There's a Brazilian bank that everybody knows here, Brazil Remittance. The lady Angela Mesquita, she always supports us since day one. I got a real estate agent that also supports us, and nice. And like that, like I got one some guy sponsors. Kind of, but like you basically need to know the people because just go ask for a sponsor to yeah. whatever person, you yeah. mostly get a no yeah you gotta try to with your friends first see maybe one's gonna help you i had this really good friend of mine has a construction company believe it or not the guy was the one who helped me the most Mm. and i couldn't believe it like oh man i went to this corporation and they only gave this and you're like one guy you gave me five times more than this corporation i was like Mm -hmm. i couldn't believe it but he believed in my dream and he said you know what Let's make it happen.
0: Is this the same guy who bought you the djembe?
2: No, this is another guy. The guy who bought me the djembe, he's from Albania. Oh, wow. Elvis. I used to work with him a like long time ago. I'm talking about nine years ago. And the guy who helped us for the festival, his name is David, the Mexican guy that I went to school with. English school. When I arrived in Canada, he arrived the same day. So we became really good friends and he helped me out too a lot. And I got a a travel agency helped us support me with the ticket and they gave us the ticket. Oh nice. Which was amazing yeah. help. Like right there you save a lot of oh, money. That's
1: cool. Yeah, that's great. So it was a lot of
2: work. Like a lot of work. Yeah. But I was I'm used to that stuff, right? Like I always organizing stuff. It's tough, it's hard, you get a bunch of headaches, there's adrenaline, is everything together, but at the end of the day when you finish the show and you see the people's face mm-hmm. faces, it's like it's all worth it. I would do it all all over again, you know? Mm-hmm. With the same headaches and everything.
1: <laughs> what um I wanna go back for a second and just ask you that you were talking about your drums. Are are is that pattern on them or is that painted on or is that what is that? It's vinyl. It's a vinyl, yeah, yeah cool.
2: We print it high definition vinyl uh-huh. so it becomes like a stick right you just stick yeah. you just get it out and you put it on stick the it
1: on, yeah. cool it. cool yeah is it how do you motivate your members to practice so like when you're say like bringing new people into your group and then your group is going do you have problems getting people to kind of learn the material and and have their everything together
2: yeah well before i bring them to the band i really need to see if they can you you will know when you're the teacher, you yeah. know Yeah. This person's gonna catch up quick and he's gonna be okay and, and be in the same level. And you can see oh no, this person is a lot of work, so we gotta keep them yeah. on the workshop. I yeah. always see that. Yeah. So I just go basically checking. I mean I have a whole bunch of videos. Of course it's all private. It's just for the band. I don't I don't sure. share because that's most of the material that we play.
1: I think every group kind of has that.
2: Yeah. And I'm trying to do, I need to do way more because now all that stuff is already old. Like all the material I have now is is new and there's a lot of stuff and I don't have recordings of that. So I need to do the same thing for that. Uh, Here's a question.
1: Here's a question. When somebody say in your beginner class, is uh, they're picking up the material pretty well, but you know they're kind of a hard personality to get along with? Do you ever <laughs> have the conversation <laughs> with them? Like, you think like, wow, oh, this person's going to bring a lot of drama to the group, or, you know, how do you...
2: I, I tell them straight up in their faces, man. I tell, I tell listen, we're at this kind of vibe. Is a family group here. You can see, you know, as soon as you can see the work, the, the rehearsal, and you mm-hmm. see how everybody interacts, you see there is no drama. You can yeah. see it and I was I was telling them straight up, like you can see there's no drama here like don't even think about it bring one <laughs> you know you know don't even think about it because if that happened, then we have to cut the relationship and that's it like mm-hmm. I, you gotta be honest to people yeah and, and let them know straight up from the beginning you know I tell them, guys here I am I'm Pat or whatever you don't know me, I'm very soft in the beginning because you know, until people get encouraged and get the trust and all the, the, to be sure that they're doing right, uh, it takes a little time. So I can't be the same guy I am on Wednesdays, you know. <laughs> on Wednesdays, is basically uh, a military, military boot camp. <laughs> and you come to learn and if you're distracting, you're going to get it from me, you know. like, there's no time for that. Yeah. Because I'm working... Is, is a is a basically a job. Like yes. I'm, doing, I'm, I'm teaching you, and, and you're distracting. It's like having a kid on the school. Same thing, the teacher. It sounds refreshing
1: kids. to people who are in groups where there's a lot of distraction happening and not a lot of work getting yeah, done. Like they, that would be amazing yeah, to have <laughs> somebody <laughs> like saying shutting it down. I like that.
2: <laughs> well, I do that because that's good. I'm sure add... people
1: appreciate it. I am sure yeah, people there, appreciate it. I
0: mean,
2: there are some people that tell me, "You know what? Thank you so much. You made that guy shut up." Yeah. it was a kinda of annoying. I'm trying to learn, and I got a guy here, you know, yeah. getting distracted. There is a couple of people that that but by now they know I don't take that shit. Yeah. You know, so you better don't do it if you're around me. Then. They know already. I even have teachers. You know what is funny? I have two teachers that play with me. So it's funny for them to be students, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I remember there, the, the, one of those person is one lady, Liz. Liz was telling me, "Oh man, I wish I could be like you with the kids and the school." I was <laughs> like, "What are you talking about? When you make a shut up and just everybody's quiet looking at you? Right. Oh my god, I wish I could do that at school." <laughs> I was like, oh, "Yeah, it's hard here in Canada. You can't do those stuff, especially with the groups either. Like, I have a lot a lot of girls in the group." And ladies too, and I can't be screaming my head off or yelling at anyone like that, you know, like you can't. But I can't do I can't say though, like you know, this is the class, I don't need anybody to distract. Them. Either you respect me or you go. That's it. There is gotcha. no time for that. I believe that's more how you say you you improve more and you move on faster. When somebody is telling you, basically, you know, shut up and keep just do your thing and don't distract people. Because if you're gonna be here to distract them, you just better go. I don't need you. Just like that. Some people can take it. Some people cannot take it. They just leave. Yeah. And but you know, the rest of the group will always understand. Like, yeah, we need to keep move on. Like, if you can, if you can be in our pace, then don't don't come here. Go to the work, beginner workshop. You know what I mean.
1: Right, right.
2: So, yeah, some people work differently. There's people that are soft, but the way I see it like, was back home in Brazil, it was never soft. Even Meme was telling me, you know, do you remember? I don't know if you guys yeah, remember yeah. Okay, and, uh, the Neguinho do Samba would hit them in the head with a right. stick. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, I wish I could have that power here sometimes. Man. Sometimes you want to just make people like, shut up. I'm talking, then I'm explaining something. And then when we're going to play, you're going to be completely lost. And you don't yeah. even know what to do because. You were talking. You exactly.
1: No, I and, know. We all, we all know. <laughs> and
2: You know what is the worst thing? Do that with adults. Same as you. Yeah. Come on. You're not a kid. You, we're not at school. You know.
0: Yeah. 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 Sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. Yeah.
2: I've seen there's a couple of the groups here, right? And there's, there's one that really runs like communities. And I see they're having a lot of trouble because of that. Because there's no one that can decide one thing.
1: Yeah. Yes. It's, it's
2: basically <laughs> a, an option, you know? Some some people can do it. Some some groups, they don't like that or whatever. With me, that's the way it is. If you want to play with me or, or, or if not there's another 10 groups you can go join. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't, I'm not going to be mad about it.
0: Well, with you having at least 30 plus members, that has to say something for your success with how you're running it.
2: True. Yeah. I didn't think about that, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I'm, you know, in the beginning people come very like, Oh yeah, let's have fun. But they see that I'm so serious and it's like, okay, you know, I got to keep up with this guy because otherwise he's going to tell me to go. Cause some people really want to join the band like badly when they're doing workshops. Mm -hmm. They keep asking me like two months later, oh, when can I go to see the band? Like guys, you just started. Like you think in two months you're ready? No man, it it needs a lot of work. Just for the all the material we have. We have more than different fifteen different beats and breaks for all those beats.
1: Yeah, even when somebody comes in with skills, it just takes a while to learn everything.
2: Exactly. Like right now, I'm practicing whatever Mermel left for us. You know, I've been doing that since he left. So right now, it's getting really tight. But nice. I've, been, I've been doing the whole work since he left. So um, hopefully, I'm gonna put together a whole piece there for whatever he left to us.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It was a couple beats and different breaks. So I'm putting together a whole piece together so we can we can play without stopping anything. Great. You know.
0: so Pato, you've played in Chile, in Toronto, all over the place. What is a really memorable moment for you playing this kind of music?
2: Sorry again. What is I play in Chile, in Toronto? What? Oh, what is the memorable moment? Yeah,
0: I mean, it could be funny or you know, inspiring, happy, just something you really that really resonated with you.
2: It was the uh, the moment I was playing with Memeo together. Yeah. Which was a dream coming truth, not not because it was just Memeo or doing other stuff. It's just it's a whole story there since I was a kid, mm-hmm. and Memeo was representing that whole thing. So just for the fact that he came out and he was very humble, and we got to spend two weeks, mostly every day from morning to mm-hmm. night together, mm-hmm. and get to know the guy and see. Mm-hmm. All the job they do and everything they go through there, which is not easy, right? We're talking about Salvador, Bahia. It's not a super peaceful place. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of trouble there too, like in Rio and stuff. And you know, there's racism too. Even though the most, the, the, the most of the population is the black people, there's still racist, a lot of racist.
1: Yeah, it's hard,
2: man. I and mean, the fact that I could. Treat someone really good and show them another kind of world. Even though he's been all over Europe and stuff, he was telling me nobody ever treated him like the way we did it. Mm.
0: Hmm.
2: You know, I took my time off and we did a couple of trips. Even Marco, you even joined us and all the stuff. I was like, it was basically giving back. Yeah. To them through me, me, right and see that in the first show we have a full house that came to see him and us and people jumping all over the place like we made it we made toronto basically look like salvador bahia for for those days and having all that happening and you know all i could think it was like i wish my mom could see it Mm -hmm. you know even though it's all beautiful and all that like i really wish she was there physically watching this whole thing and how i came out of the whole this this whole depression and where i am today and all the work i did and like every everything came to my my mind at mm-hmm. that time it's beautiful and you know if i could go share the story with people in conferences i would do it man because the drum is yeah. really powerful like it's our first instrument and the hand and Of the human being, man, where any tribe or anything, all they had was drums in the beginning to communicate to each other. So, you know, it's like drum is just powerful. I would say any kind of drum doesn't need to be Brazilian drum. Whoever, whatever drummer, you know, from all over the world, there's many places that they play drums. It can, I don't know, it can save lives. I can say it saved my life, and. And today I'm more decided than ever that this is what I have to follow. Like, I have to do this. This is my mission, you know. I, when we look at up, oh, yeah, we have TIDA Batu. It's an amazing group. We've been growing all that. But at the end of the day, if you really look deep, what is my power to create over there? It's crazy, man. I can't believe I have all these people coming everywhere since five years ago. It's like I have a church and I'm the priest, you know. <laughs> That's the church day for them, and it's like <laughs> that means I have something good for them to keep coming back right. i I don't obligate anyone to come. you like you're free to leave whenever you want, so have all that it's it's just beautiful, and one of them I would say also most memorable things is I never thought in my life I could be teaching people how to play batucada in English when I didn't know a word of English. Mm. And today, you know, I give workshops for big corporations, the like companies that hire you for one or two days, and you do workshops with the with the people who work there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I even got some people coming out of the States with this company. I forgot the name. It was one big company. And a lot of people came out. I had like 40 people there. And it was cool to see people you know everybody having fun and oh my god I didn't even have an idea this was so much fun to play a drum yeah, or stuff yeah. like that right cool and yeah and I can say the probably the most important one that I really relate after memeo and all these beautiful moments it was one time playing at the beaches jazz festival here international jazz festival by the beaches mm-hmm. Uh we play it there every year since four years ago. And it's three days in a row. And it's three sets each night. And it goes from 7 to 11. And it's like 50 plus bands on the street. But we are the only like Brazilian drumming like that. On that festival, there is another group, which is Samba Squad. But Samba Squad mix a lot of the rhythms, right? They don't do only Brazilian. They do a lot of Cuba and other stuff. like They mix we're the only Samba Reggae one. So one time, it was this old lady came by. She when we stopped the set. First of all, she was watching the set, and she was super like hype up and all that stuff. And at some point, I saw her crying, and I did like I, can't, I was like, "What's going on? How how can you make somebody cry when you're drumming? You know, this is so much fun." And I pay attention on that. When we finished the set, she came talk to me. And she, she was crying already and telling me, you know, how beautiful your music is. And, oh, my God, this is so amazing. And and she kept crying. And I was like, I kind of hugged her. And I was like, what's wrong? Like, why, why are you crying if you really think we are amazing and we're having fun? Like, I want to know. And she goes, I lost my son six months ago. And... It's been really bad. I'm missing so much. As soon as she told mm-hmm. me that, I start crying too because it's like I related with my mom. Right. So she tells me that, and and she lived she live in the neighborhood over there where we played this mm-hmm. festival. And she was telling me, I heard you guys from my house, and I don't know something was telling me that I had to go follow that sound. And when I when I came all the way here I saw you guys and this the this being the most beautiful music I have ever seen in my life. And I was so sad because my son and all that and you guys made me smile again. And I'm so thankful, thankful for this moment and something. I couldn't even listen anymore. I just hugged yeah, it. Yeah. We start, we start crying together. <laughs> it's
1: like the mirror experience that you had, yeah. Yeah,
2: and then my the people from the band was like, "What's going on with you? Why are you why are you crying?" <laughs> I was like, "There's no way you can't cry after a story like this." I, yeah, because I felt like you know she felt the same feeling I felt when I started the band. Right. Like, I wish my mom was here and all that stuff, right? Like, stuff. And since since then, she's been every year in that festival, just checking the nice. whole show that we do. Nice. And every year, she, you know, she come and tell us, oh, thank you so much, guys. Since the first time, I always see your videos on YouTube. Oh. I put your music loud in my place. <laughs> uh, cool. Cause, yeah, because like you guys make me happy. And like, man, if you have such an impact yeah. in, some, in somebody like that, imagine how many people you can impact too like yeah one person that tells you that is enough to keep going right. you know Wow and basically that's what it is because I help myself and if I can I will help other people even if you do just have to play
1: yeah it's a great you know? story yeah
2: So I mean, yeah I would say that's the most memorable one.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: that lady mm-hmm.
1: well thank you so much for coming on the show the show the podcast <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah we really appreciate your time and yeah i was tearing up there yeah. during that story
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah after i was too don't get me <laughs> yeah. wrong I'm just, I'm just able to to keep talking and hold it a little bit but yeah. every time i remember it also makes me you know yeah like i say we without doing anything just playing music you can change somebody's life and anytime i can do that i'm happy to do it yeah, yeah. that's i'm here for mm-hmm. that's my mission get people together and give them happiness and mm-hmm. you know whatever they feel at the moment like i get people sometimes from the band and when they see that yes festival is the craziest festival we have here like people really go crazy with us at that at that festival I don't know what, why, but it happens every <laughs> time. There, <laughs> I, we open a circle at the end, and everybody will go in the middle and just jump like crazy, like ecstatics dancing and stuff. Yeah. Like everybody's doing their own thing, yeah, and having fun. And you know, I remember this guy Chris that plays with me. One of my one of my best sort of players. Like, yo, Pata man, you can yell the shit out of me. You can do whatever you do to me, man. There's nothing that can pay the feeling of being here and playing right now. So, that means a lot, you know, the, yeah. he was saying as a joke because sometimes I would get mad when we were practicing and stuff, but that means that, like, you know, they, they don't care about the stuff. They know it's, it's all about the music. It's not, yeah. anything, anything is is not personal, you know. I'm people not mad it. At it. Yeah, I'm yeah. not mad at anyone. It's just like, guys, I want to, in my head, it's always like, I want to be the best for myself, not for the people out there. It's just like, I have this thing with me. Like uh, probably a lot of drummers has too. Like you pick, you pick it with the, with yourself, you know, like you want to be the best. Right. Yeah. And thank you so much for inviting me. You know, not usually you don't get much time to talk about yourself yes. to other, to other people, like to say what you've been through and stuff. Yeah. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yeah. And
0: thank you for being so open yeah, and sharing an so ama- much. Amazing story. Wow.
2: I use it. You know what I, before I wouldn't do that. Because I was still feeling like depressions mm-hmm. and stuff, it will make me. It never made me feel good talking about it. Mm-hmm. But today, when you know those those things been happening and, and you've been changing people's life or you, you whatever I'm doing, it kind of heal myself. It healed myself, right. so I can talk about it now. Like I, yeah. I have no problem to talk about it and, and share with it because that's that's the truth.
0: And you're helping other people heal as well.
2: Yeah, and you know. I try to do my best, whatever I can. Well, it
0: sounds like you have a great so, thing going on in Toronto.
2: Hopefully one day you ladies can come here and, and see it with your your own <laughs> yes. eyes. I'd love to do that, yeah. I would love to organize something here, like an international samba reggae festival or something. Yeah, We
0: know you can do know. it. We know you have. <laughs> you it, you I
2: know, know, I know. I can do it. The thing is, I need a way bigger support than you know what I mean? And that won't yeah. be cheap because like, yeah. I, I would like to bring people from Europe, like something like they do in Coburg and not in, oh, in yeah. Germany, you know? Yeah. That would be nice to have around here. Mm-hmm. Either here in Canada or in the States. I don't mm-hmm. see anything going on like that. Yeah.
1: So I've been, yeah, I've been looking into that and talking to different people about making something like that happen. I got really inspired by a lot of the videos coming out of Coburg this year. And yeah, yeah something needs to happen, but. Um,
0: yeah, they have a lot of encontros. You're right. It's really
1: expensive, and I have no idea how to organize something. Like yeah.
2: that. <laughs> I have like, an idea how to organize it, but I do know it's going to cost yeah. a lot. Yeah. So I've players. been thinking,
1: like, maybe 2020, like, do a bunch of fundraising for the first year and then do it the next year.
2: Yeah, it would be nice. Because yeah. be cool. you want to, you know, you want to invite groups from outside, but you kind of right. got to cover the whole thing, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, yep. Hopefully, one day we make it happen. Yes. And for other people who's going to listen to the podcast, or if it's listening now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm right in Toronto. I'm not too far. So if there's any group out there that you guys know that does samba reggae, I don't know how strong is the movement with samba reggae in the States. I do know there's a lot of Maracatu and samba, but maybe. That's why we're missing there. Maybe some more, more Samba Reggae groups. If you know anyone, you know I'm always available to go and share my knowledge. Right there, you
1: go, you guys, and we'll put your contact information up on uh, our website, and you can always probably find you through Facebook. And just send us all your links, and we'll we'll put them up so people can get in contact with you if they want to bring you down and and teach you or not teach <laughs> you.
2: You teach them. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> What? Yeah. They can teach me too. You never We
0: all can teach. Right.
2: You always you always learning. That never stop.
1: Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Um, you want to find more links to um, Patu and everything he does, um, you can find them at t.patu.ca because they're in Canada. Um, he, he's also on Facebook. Um, they've got a Facebook page, t.patu, and then also his personal page, Patu Irie. That's P-A-T-O-I-R-I-E. Just go check him out and see everything he's doing there.
0: They're on Instagram, too.
1: Oh, and they're also on Instagram. Yeah.
0: Thanks for everybody for listening. Um, we do have a poll running on Facebook. We're having some issues with our analytics, and we yes. want to make sure we are uh, we have the right numbers. So, if you could take that little poll I've set up on our Facebook um, page, that would be great.
1: Yeah, this is normally a part where we say welcome to all our new listeners, but all of our listeners have abandoned us. According to our analytics, <laughs> we have like. 10 listeners so uh yeah go and take the quiz let us know what's going on if you notice anything weird please um connect with us either through email thebrazilianbeat.com. no the Beat at gmail.com or on facebook um the brazilian beat podcast or what are we instagram the brazilian beat mm-hmm. uh twitter the brazilian beat one no sorry brazilian beat one without the the uh let's see and what else? Oh, and you go to our website, www.thebrazilianbeat.com. And
0: don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts. We have a couple more ratings, so thank you.
1: I, I saw that. Yeah. That was cool. Um, what else? We are on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Play, Player FM, and you can also stream us through our website at thebrazilianbeat.com. And we're sponsored by gosamba.net.
0: And yeah. it's got a great mobile site too. I checked it out and uh, nice graphics. Awesome. A shout out to Krishna. Yeah,
1: Krishna here in town. You did a great job. Are you going to get married? Krishna will take a picture of you if you want.
0: He's <laughs> a great photographer. Or he if is. you want to take a picture of your samba drum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Would you like a specialized photo of your samba drum?
0: One, like one of those ones where you have like space behind you and you're holding your hibiki or something. Like senior pictures. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> A pictures, like one profile, and one head on. Yeah. You might have to make yeah. that happen.
1: Yeah. <clears> throat> senior throat> pictures with
0: our drum. Me and my Abe with you. With your fist under your chin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: Great ideas. If you have any pictures like that, send them to us. <laughs>
1: or make some and send those to us that would be amazing like laying next to a giant number one (laughs) something like
0: that with your with your Brazilian Beat t-shirts on oh yeah definitely please do that and buy our t-shirts you can let us know if you'd like to purchase one we can mail that out to you
1: oh yeah Uh, email us at uh, thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com all right Thanks for listening.
0: Ciao.